0: time for the vintage truth podcast with best selling author and bible teacher jeff kinley welcome to the vintage truth podcast i'm jeff kinley glad you've joined me today I'm excited i want to really follow up from last uh, last episode here where we're talking about what are we as christians supposed to do in light of the turmoil that's been happening in our country, specifically with all, with all these protesters clashing and this horrible incident where this young lady was was murdered, uh, where she was hit by a car. And, you know, there's so many things that are happening in our country right now and the follow up protests from that and the incidents and that type of thing. And it's I think Christians have to really kind of step up, you know, in a situation like this and, and do way more than just condemn stuff, you know. Because that's really the easiest thing to do, is to pick up a rock and just say, hey, that's wrong, and throw it at it. I mean, you know, it could be something very wrong, and you should say that it's wrong, but still, it's got to be more than that. So we talked about last time how Jesus wanted his disciples to know that there was one message, one primary message, and that message is the gospel. Jesus Christ saves sinners, the good news. And so, how do we begin to do that in our day and time? Because here's the deal. We are officially living in a post-Christian America, all right? People are not going to church like they used to. In fact, recent data tells us that less than 50% of Americans attend any kind of church. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that we're becoming less and less godly, less and less Christian in our country. And no matter who's in the White House, culture is still going south. I don't mean directionally, I mean spiritually and morally. We're, we're still declining from a spiritual standpoint. We're still decaying from a moral standpoint. So we're in a post-Christian America. There are people growing up in America today who, who aren't growing up in church and knowing who Jesus is and that type of thing. I remember 20 years ago when I took my first trip to, uh, to England, and we went into the classrooms of the schools there, junior high and high school, and took a group of, of students, of teenagers with me, and they got to ask us questions And we were brought in as, you know, we have some real live Christians with us today. As if, you know, we're bringing in, we have a fireman and a police officer and a postman and a chef. Oh, and a Christian too. Like like we were some kind of novelty. And the kids got to ask us any kind of questions. And the kinds of questions that these students, these teenagers were asking us revealed the fact that they indeed had no idea who jesus christ is you know some kid would say oh is he the bloke that did the miracles is that him we're like yeah he, he did the, could he fly you know that type of thing they had no idea who christ so we had the privilege of being able to sit down with them and to explain just from the beginning who god was who jesus was and talk about the the garden of eden and creation, and just simple little things like that, because that's where you begin with people who have no prior knowledge of the gospel. And we're in a culture that is becoming more and more like that. Now, your friends may not be like that, but you're not the norm. The norm is the fact that that people are devoid of a God consciousness. Look at our culture. Look at what's happening. Look at what people are doing. Their ideas are whacked. They're completely out of sync with God, and they're doing exactly what we talked about in the first episode, about people being lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, pursuing their own means, pursuing their own desires to the point where you have an entire culture of people who, are, who have departed from just basic decency and morality. And we're seeing that chaos in, in our post-Christian society. And so we have to ask ourselves, so what are we supposed to do about it? We talked about in the in last episode about how the gospel is our message. but you say, well, how do we get it out there? How do we do that? You know, Well, one way, as we talked about before, was is just engaging the culture. I mean, we should engage the culture, but, but watch this. We have to be wise on how we engage our culture. We don't just run out into the culture and just run into some hornet's nest of controversy and just start, you know, picking a fight with people (laughs) over the gospel. I mean, as you probably know by now, the way our country is divided, I mean, everything from socially and racially and politically and morally, all those ways that we're divided, these are people with, with very... Very strong ingrained opinions about stuff, about life, about black people or about white people or about the church or religion in general or about politics or whatever. So you just walk in and just say, hey, I'd like to tell you this and I'm sure it'll change your mind. It won't. It's not going to change their mind. I've never met a human being or even heard of one who's read a post on Facebook or read a 164-character Twitter feed that someone posted and go, you know what, I was an idiot to believe that all these years. I'm just going to change my mind about I'm going to be a different person because you went on a Facebook rant, I'm a change person. I haven't seen that happen. And if it does, great, but, you know, it's not something that people are posting a lot about. So you think you're going to walk in and just have a conversation with someone about some controversial issue, you know, that, that's going to be a tough road for you. And, and you better have your, your guns loaded and your research done if you're going to do that. Because here's the problem, and we're going to get into the, the meat of this in just a second, but one of the problems that we face in our world is that we're a culture of emotional children. We're a culture of people that don't know how to reason they don't even know how to have a good fight with somebody with with, to really converse. And then to just, I don't know, agree to disagree. Hey, I see your point, you know, you've got there and I just don't agree with you, but you know what? Let's be friends. You don't see a whole lot of that going on, right? It's not modeled for us by a lot of, uh, of government leaders. I mean, we don't see that. And so we have to really understand, you know, there's a little saying that goes, Pick a hill to die on, because every hill is not worth dying for. And what that means is that there are some issues in our culture that, you know, this is just going to happen, and we really don't need to get all bent out of shape about it and let it like form the direction of our life. Unless, of course, God calls you to a certain cause. That's That's cool, too. But just to pick an argument with somebody, just because they you know, are in a, into a certain sin or, or have a certain belief system or whatever, you're going to go die on that hill? Jesus said, if you're going to die on a hill, die on Calvary's hill. Die on the hill I died on. died on. Die on the gospel hill. That's what he wants you to do. So you say, well, Jeff, then how do, I, how do I do this? Well, you know, pick your fights. Understand, I mean, it's like Paul told Timothy, he said, hey, don't get drawn into all these arguments. Don't get drawn into all these meaningless myths. In fact, he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He said, this is about people that are bringing up stuff in the church to try to argue with you about. He said, if anyone advocates a different doctrine, verse 3, and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, Paul just calls it out. He goes, he's conceited and he understands nothing but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy strife abusive language evil suspicions and constant friction between men of depraved mind and who are deprived of the truth who suppose that being a godly person is a means of gain what he's just simply saying there is that there're just some people people some people just like pick fights some people who love to argue, and trust me, in, in, in my position, people are sending me emails trying to draw me into an argument about something I wrote in one of my books or something I posted on my Facebook page or on my website or whatever, and you know, there's a big difference between someone saying, hey, help me understand how you came to this conclusion. I, I'm good with that, but you can really sense, sense it when someone's really just trying to poke you in the chest Paul says, avoid that crap. That's ridiculous. D- don't waste your time. That's a waste of good life energy to do that. So they say, how do we do that? Well, the two examples that I, that I see in the Bible that have always been a great encouragement to me. And the first, of course, is Jesus himself, who, as I said last time, engaged the culture in which he lived. And he drew spiritual parallels from things that he saw in his society and among the people that that was a part of his culture. But another example I want to tell you about is the apostle Paul. Because Paul was a man who was who had a life that was radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, and he went on to help change the entire world. He wrote 13 of the 26 books of the New Testament. And uh he was he was not a lightweight when it came to when it came to philosophy and reason and theology and preaching. Uh, Paul was, uh, he was the man. Paul was bowed up spiritually, and he understood something. He understood that when you engage a culture, you have to start many times where they are, not where you are. You know, Paul would, um, he would use words to describe things that were, there were words that they would understand, as opposed words that he and his, his Jewish friends or his Christian friends would automatically understand. You know what I'm saying? So he, he kind of, you know, there's, no, there's an old word called Christianese. You know, it's like, don't speak Christianese to me. And Paul didn't speak Christianese to people who didn't understand it. He didn't speak the language of, of the church or the language of Christians. He, he spoke their language. And that's a part of what it means, I think, to help reach a culture. But in Acts chapter 17, Paul is at a place <clears throat> called Athens. And Athens was a city that was um just filled with godless activity and false religions. And it's really interesting here because he um he's walking through the city At this place called the um, the Areopagus, and it was on this place called Mars Hill, okay, which was on the Acropolis, which is another name for the Acropolis, and it's where people would gather to pay homage to these um, to these gods. So, well, what did they look like? Well, guess what? They were statues. And there were all kinds of statues there. Let me just read what it says here in, in Acts. Dr. Luke, who is a meticulous writer, he writes this. He says, um says, They took him and brought him to the Are- Areopagus on Mars Hill. And they're saying, May we know what this new teaching is by which you're proclaiming. So they were kind of curious about Paul because he was traveling around and word had got out that this, Jewish guy who was now a believer in the way, that's what they called it early on. What was he talking about? And it says, uh, for you're bringing some strange things to our ears. We want to know therefore what these things mean. And so the, the idea of Jesus and who he was, was very strange in the context of their culture and of their religious culture. And so Paul brought this new thing. And by the way, more and more the idea of who Jesus is and what he did and Christianity is going to become more and more strange and bizarre to an unbelieving world. So you're going to get a lot, of, a lot more furrowed brows and, and you know strange looks on people's faces when you start talking to them because that's where our culture is continuing to go. And then a parenthetical thought. In verse 21, Luke says, Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. In other words, they would just gather around and go, what's new? What's the latest thing? What's happening? What's going on? It was their version of Instagram, okay? Here's the the latest food I ate. Here's the latest thing I did, you know, which is not inherently wrong. It's just like, some people are addicted to just finding out what, what happened today. If I can't check my feet, I, I'll go crazy. And that, that's where the Athenians were. They were addicted to just talking about stuff. That, you know why? Because they were bored and empty. That's why. They had no purpose in their life, no real purpose. And they were empty on the inside. So they just gathered around. And so Paul stood up to this group of empty, bored people And this is what he said in verse 22. It says, Now Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. So he's just making an observation. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God, in capital letters. Then Paul says, What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now I want to stop right there real quick. Paul did not back down from the truth. He called it for what it was. You guys are worshiping out of ignorance. You're worshiping a God and you don't even know his name. You don't even know what he's like. You don't even know what his relationship is to you. And yet you continue to worship him. As if to say, does that not sound a little dumb to you? When people can't really know what life is all about, they can't really know what truth is, and yet you're going to depend on your own opinion about life, your own opinion about eternity, your own opinion about salvation, or if there even is a God, you're going to trust the molecules in motion the, the, the predetermined DNA that you have from that you believe from evolution, you're going to believe in that? that that's, that's insanity. Why would you do that? So Paul says, you guys are worshiping a God in ignorance. I'm going to tell you the truth about him. Now that's bold, right? And if you said that today to people, what would you get back in America? You're, you're on a college campus and you're at a gathering of people that are protesting something or they're standing right. It's, it's the multi-faith council, you know, and uh, a group has gathered a couple of hundred people, college students, and they're talking about all the different gods and how really all roads lead to God. Let's just celebrate all the, the religions of the world. And you're going to be, you know, the proverbial you know what in a punch bowl by coming in and telling them the truth about the true God. And as you might imagine, that might not go over too well. Because if there's one thing people don't like, is to be told that they're wrong. And yet, unfortunately, that's the very first thing that God tells a human being before they can be saved. He tells them, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong about me. You're wrong about life. You're wrong about you. You're not just wrong, but you're going to be punished for your wrong, for your sin. Your mind is corrupt. Your emotions are all over the map. And you don't even have the ability to choose me because you're so ingrained in your sin. That, in today's standards, is not the way to go about reaching someone. Is it, right? And I don't forget we had a guy come on our campus when I was at the University of South Carolina and there was this big strong guy, he was a former like pro wrestler or something. I don't know what he was. He did like arm wrestling to anyone. And he came on campus and he said uh he had this big sign. And he had this uh the sign that was actually a sailboat mast and he or our sailboat whatever it's called the, the cloth you know the sailboat stuff and he had a sailboat mast that was anchored around his waist with this big leather belt and um he said on the sign it said um read the bible or go to hell read the bible or go to hell and course, he was engaged by a lot of students. And of course, it was just anger versus anger. And though he may have been right in some of the things that he was saying, he unnecessarily incited hostility towards others. You say, well, do we have to do that? No, we don't. But sometimes when you declare the fact that God is true and everyone else is not true, You're still going to upset people. So what happened next? Well, we're going to have to talk about that in the next podcast. Because Paul begins to ease his way into helping them understand this true God and themselves and what God has done about their problem. And it's a clue, it's a hint as to how you and I can engage our culture today come back for the next podcast and I'll tell you what Paul did, how they responded. In fact, they responded in three different ways. Very interesting. Those same three ways I see people responding today to the gospel. Hey, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast.